Hello, hello. This is Series 7 of Satisfied. The Series 7 podcasts enhance the Radical Acts Bible study of the book of Acts in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, we looked at how following Christ on adventure tests our loyalty. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 10 of Radical Acts Bible Study. We will look at how to recognize God's goodness on our adventure with Jesus, even in the midst of difficult and painful times. Just like his master, Jesus Christ, felt compelled to go to Jerusalem, Paul was willing to follow no matter the threat. Soon he was seized, dragged, and bound. Yet through it all, he felt completely carried by the Spirit, who gave him multiple opportunities to do exactly what Paul wanted, to share his story with people. But he was arrested, falsely accused by the religious leaders he once respected, taken to Caesarea, and held in bondage for two years. A painful time for this man who was so totally sold out to Jesus Christ and followed him with every breath and step he took. Why was God letting that happen to Paul? We ask that same question today. I was in a Bible study recently talking about how pain affects our lives and our perspective of God's goodness to us. We were studying the Mark chapter 5 account of the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. Our discussion question was this, describe any of your own painful circumstances that have driven you to Christ. What did you learn about His goodness through that experience? As each woman shared her story, it was obvious that some could recognize God's goodness to her in the time, but others were still struggling with God's goodness because the pain hasn't gone away or been resolved to their satisfaction. Most of us don't like to wait for God to work, and we certainly don't like a no answer. Be honest here. We say to each other, God is good all the time, but do we really believe it? Where did we get the idea that God is good all the time anyway? Not just some of the time. I mean, seriously. This is what the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 68. You, God, are good, and what you do is good. The Bible says that everything about God is good. He is good in himself, and what he does is good. That means God allows nothing to happen to his children, to those who love him, that is not for their good. God gives to his children only that which is good. God is good all the time, and he is at work in our lives for good. We often quote a Bible verse about God working all things together for good. Romans 8:28. You know that one. It says, "And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose." But you might ask, what about those tough things that happen to us? Someone gets very sick, loses a job, or has to move far away from family and friends. Is God being good then? What must be the answer to that question? Yes. Why? because God is good all the time. Over the years, I've learned through personal Bible study and my faith walk that God's goodness has three aspects 
that apply to our times of fear and pain. First, He is good even in the tough times. Second, He is good in different ways to each of us. And third, He is good in what He allows or doesn't allow into our lives. Let's look at each of those. God is good even in the tough times. God is the perfect parent and knows what will help His children grow into maturity. That sometimes includes pain. Isn't that true regarding human children? Growing up can be trying just in the facing of new things while getting used to the old. Teething hurts, but babies must go through teething to get some teeth to chew real food. The same thing is true of learning to walk or ride a bike. What about adolescence? That's a long, painful, but necessary time of gaining independence. Coddling children prevents their growing up. God teaches His children through tough things He allows in our lives that help us grow up. Those tough times build bones and teeth in our faith. They help us learn to trust God. They help us learn to give up trying to do things our own way, which may not be the best way, and start doing things God's way, which is always the best way. Anything that draws us closer to God and makes us depend upon Him is good for us. Listen to me here. Anything that draws us closer to God and makes us depend upon Him more is good for us. God is good even in the tough times. God is good in different ways to each of us. Through reading the Bible, I've seen that God's goodness looks different in each person's life. In Acts, Paul and his friends were traveling so they needed a place to stay in Philippi. There they met Lydia. Lydia didn't need a place to stay. She needed God. Paul shared God with Lydia. Lydia shared her home with Paul and his friends. Different needs met by God's goodness. God's goodness will definitely look different in my life than it does in your life. God is good in different ways to each of us. And God is good in what He allows or doesn't allow into our lives. Not everyone gets cancer or has a serious injury. Not everyone endures long-term unemployment. Not everyone loses a child or experiences the desertion of a spouse. Throughout the Bible are many verses stating how God healed someone or protected someone in a dangerous situation. We don't even know all the dangers God is protecting us from daily. We should thank Him all the time for doing that. God is good in what He allows or doesn't allow into our lives. So let's look at how God was good to Paul just in our lesson today. Did you see all the ways that God was good to Paul? God used the Roman commander to give Paul protection from an angry, vicious mob. Paul's nephew was in the right place at the right time to overhear the plot against Paul. The commander listened to the nephew and took action to protect Paul. The commander wrote a letter to the governor, basically declaring Paul's innocence. And what about all those soldiers to escort and protect one ordinary citizen? Paul was well protected. The number of impartial Roman representatives who repeatedly confirmed the innocence of Paul and his message regarding Roman law. Here's the best, though. 
the Lord himself came to him and spoke to him to give him encouragement. Notice what Jesus said to Paul, his instrument in the center of his will, doing what he wants Paul to do in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Notice what Jesus did not say. He did not say, I'm getting you out of this mess you created for yourself. He did not say, walk out of the barracks with me. You're free to go in your way. Notice what Jesus did not say. I'll make sure you stay comfortable while this is going on. He did not say, I'm done with you. No, instead, our Lord Jesus, who was also Paul's Lord Jesus, stood by him, stood by him. He was present with Paul. Then Jesus said, take courage. That word in the Greek literally means be of good courage, have confidence, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, really? It's the same word Jesus used in John chapter 16, verse 33, when he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, be of good cheer, have confidence. I've got this. It's what Jesus told Paul in Corinth when there was such an uproar against the preaching of Christ. Acts chapter 18, verse 9, Jesus said to Paul, Do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you. Paul's experience here in Acts chapter 23 is about eight years later. Jesus hasn't changed his mind about Paul. After telling him to be courageous and feel comforted, Jesus goes on to basically say, I've seen you testify for me in Jerusalem with boldness and conviction. Do the same for me in Rome. In those words, Jesus tells Paul, I see you. I have confidence in you. I won't fail you and I know you won't fail me because I am with you. Be of good cheer. You can trust my goodness in what I'm doing here for you. As I read this verse and meditated on it, tears flowed from my eyes. Why? It was the personal nature of our personal Savior. Jesus is with me through everything. Jesus is with you through whatever you are facing. He's on your journey with you. If Jesus told Paul that he could trust his goodness in the manner in which Jesus got Paul to Rome, you know we can trust his goodness in whatever he chooses to do in our lives as well. This is the sticky part though, isn't it? I have an idea of what I think his goodness to me should look like. We are all good at praying solutions to whatever is challenging us. Wouldn't that be a good idea, God? Remember our podcast on acceptable outcomes? Do you believe that God has the right to choose what he brings into your life? Do I? I know God is good. I must choose to trust his choice of how to be good to me. Remember this verse you probably memorized sometime in your life. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and do not rely on your own understanding. The day before my dearest friend died of breast cancer, she softly spoke to me these words, God is good. I finished her sentence with, all the time, because I had heard her say that repeatedly. She replied, I don't understand all this. And most of the time we just don't understand. But we've got to bank on God's goodness and trust His choosing. That's dependent living. Human parents raise their children to be more independent as they grow up. God raises His children to be less independent of Him and more dependent on Him as we grow up to maturity. Anything that teaches us how to depend on Him more is good for us. Jonathan Evans, the son of Bible teacher Tony Evans, recently gave the eulogy for his mother who died of cancer. So many had prayed for her healing and were disappointed thinking God had not answered their prayer. In reflecting on this, Jonathan felt the Lord telling him this, there were always only two answers to your prayers. Either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to live. Either she was going to be with family or she was going to be with family. Either she was going to be well taken care of or she was going to be well taken care of. Victory belongs to me because of what I've already done for you. The two answers to your prayer are yes and yes, because victory belongs to Jesus. If you listened to the podcast for Lesson 8, you learned that joy requires releasing our expectations of acceptable outcomes. When you release your expectation of acceptable outcomes, you can rejoice at what our Lord does instead of complaining about what He does not do. You look at everything with the Lord's perspective. Dear friends, we have a big God. Yet God may not choose to rescue you from everything that is threatening you or from poor decisions made by you or someone close to you. You may face what seem like insurmountable odds. You may have to give up something that gives you security. You may be waiting for God to answer a desperate prayer. Are you willing to accept the yes that He wants to give? In any and all situations, you can count on the fact that God is good all the time. And you can trust Him in whatever He chooses to do. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Have confidence in that. That's the fruit of a transformed life that is more interested in bringing glory to Jesus than to yourself. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with His Spirit's transforming power and say yes to a life of adventure with Him. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 7 of Satisfied.